uh, as we begin the year, we are going to establish a new rhythm to our church life. Every January and August, we're going to participate in something called 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. Um, and we're going to do that together. And uh, so we're going to uh, start on January 9th and go through January 30th. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't have anything to eat for 21 days. That's not what we're saying. Uh, but everyone is at a different place. It's just at, at, and so there's different ways to actually participate. The goal is, is that for those 21 days that we want our focus as we begin the year to be on Christ. Not ourselves, not our ambition, not our plans, on Him. And so we want to draw our attention to Him. And so there will be daily things. We'll talk, talk about a couple weeks. Daily things to do. There's some weekly things to do. Wherever you are in your stage of life, there will be things for you to do and for us to focus upon Christ. We'll do this in January and we'll do it again in August as we break out of this summer and get into the fall. John Newton, the, the one who wrote the, the, the beautiful hymn, Amazing Grace, he says this, he says that when, when we do not pray, when we do not pray, we most encourage the devil. The Bible says that the enemy is at like, a, like a lion, ready to, to jump on us. As we begin the year, we, we, as a church, if there's one thing that I think the Lord wants us to be, is a praying church. We're leaning upon him. And so we invite you, to invite you to be part of that. Well, uh, we are going to end up our, our Christmas sermon series looking at a man that is probably uh, not really seen well, and he's not really seen well in, in the scriptures. He has a role to play in the Christmas story. It's just not a really popular role. And we're going to be in the Gospel of, of Matthew, beginning in the second chapter. We're going to look today at the story of King Herod. King Herod uh, was, uh, was sort of partly Jewish, we'll, we'll say that, uh, and uh, at the time of his reign, Rome ruled the world and uh, oversaw especially everything happening in um, Jerusalem. And so Herod was, was, in, was in power. And when you think about Herod, Herod uh, was very ambitious. Uh, he was a tremendous architect, builder, built himself a beautiful palace, he made him, really endeared himself to the Jews because he, he built sort of the Herodian temple, the, the temple of the Lord that was, that was destroyed in a very glamorous way. And what's interesting about Herod is if you happen to go to Jerusalem, which I've been to, uh, there is a, a, a wall left of his, of his temple the temple that he constructed, that's called the Wailing Wall. Um, but Herod had a streak about him. He liked the idea 
of being king. You know, like the idea of no one else being king. Herod had a temper. We'll see that in this passage. Herod uh, had an, an anger streak. Killed his wife, killed three of his sons. And when he receives word that there is a king, a new king, he's probably the only person so far in the scriptures that does not welcome Jesus. The, the, the good news of God invading the world, he sees it as a threat. Let's, let's read Herod's account. Matthew writes, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi that is from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked this question, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw the star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem in Judea. They replied, for this is what the prophet has written. I'm quoting from the prophet Micah, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the, the Magi secretly and found out the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me. Yeah, right. So that I too may go and worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in prayer. Oh, gracious God, as we gather on this day, it is easy to go ahead and set our sights on what may be, what is ahead of us. But God, let us, let us sit there a little bit longer in the manger. Let us see the Magi and, and the shepherds and Mary and Joseph. Let us just sit there in awe and wonder. And before we come to this table... Before we, Lord, participate in the sacrament of grace that you've offered us through the body and blood of your Son. God, I pray that you'll speak to us. Use me in any means, in any way, Lord. 
to be your vessel. I hear, Lord, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that we, oh Lord, would create room for Christ in our lives, to live with him every day. In the name of the Father, and the Son, the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Throughout the last several weeks, we, we've been on this series called Fear Not. And when you look at every person in the Christmas story, their lives are interrupted. I mean, you could say that as we look at every person's life, that Christmas is a season of interruption, of God interrupting us about his good plan. I mean, we'll take Zechariah, the first person that, that we looked at. He and his wife, Elizabeth, had been praying and praying and praying that uh, they would have a son. And so when it's his time as, as priest to go into the Holy of Holies, and there he is, and as he is, is doing the rites of a faithful priest, all of a sudden an angel, and we see Gabriel's everywhere. He was busy during the Christmas season. And angel Gabriel's there and says, hey, don't be afraid. Of course, what's going on here? Hey, the Lord has heard your prayers. The prayers, your prayer and Elizabeth's prayer for her son. And I'm here to tell you that, that, that your wife, yes, I know, she's well beyond childbearing years. She's going to bear a son and you're going to name him John and he's going to be great. And Zechariah went further. Well, how, how could this be? Because he... He wanted to know more, like he wanted to know for certainty how it was going to happen. And then the angel mutes him and he has to wait nine months and his son is born, John, John the Baptist. Mary's life of, of being this, this child bride and, and preparing herself to, to be given over to her husband, Joseph, all of a sudden, her life and her marriage, I love what Danielle said, God created a scandal that, that as she is there, the angel Gabriel appears to her and says, listen, <laughs> you have found favor with God. Me? Yes. That you're going to become pregnant with God's very own son. And don't worry about it. It's going to be through the Holy Spirit and your son and his name is going to be Jesus. He's going to be mighty. He's going to be great. He's going to... He's going to reign on the throne of David and his kingdom will rule. Her whole life interrupted by God's plan. And then God had to come to Joseph and, and Joseph was about to divorce Mary because he figured, wait a second, we're actually engaged here. We're actually betrothed and we're going to have this great marriage. And all of a sudden, his life is turned upside down when, the, when, when he finds out that she's pregnant and his whole life is about to, to go a different way because the angel shows up and says, hey, listen, Joseph, don't, don't freak out. Mary, Mary wasn't sleeping around. No, actually, this is all part of God's plan. She's, she's, gonna, she's pregnant and it's all by the Holy Spirit and you're going to be a father to God's very own son. So don't divorce her. And he stays married to her. His whole life is interrupted. The whole marriage begins with this great interruption. All these plans they had, and the shepherds are out there. They're out tending their, they're out doing their work, right? They're tending the flock by night. All of a sudden, boom! Angel shows up and says, Hey, 
I need you to stop what you're doing and I want you to go see the good shepherd, God's very own shepherd. And all of a sudden, what? This choir, it says, the Bible says, a multitude of a heavenly host began to sing, glory to God and highest. It's all about interruptions. The other day, I interrupted everyone's life. My son and I were staying at this motel, and the fire alarm starts beep, beep. I knew I needed a new battery. I was too lazy. I was in my pajamas. I didn't want to go down and tell everyone a new, like, you know, hey, a fire alarm needs a new battery. So I, I got my glasses, and I went up there, and I said, well, if I push this button, push to reset, that's fine. Not a big deal. So I pushed to reset and sat back down. All of a sudden, the entire hotel, beep, 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 beep. Every fire alarm. I didn't know they were all connected together. All of a sudden, it's like, yes, what's going on in here? I don't know, it's just too lazy to walk down. And I just pushed to reset. They're all connected. I didn't know. I, I messed this woman's life up. The manager comes down. What's up? Well, I was too lazy to walk down, push, but they're all connected, and the fire department's on their way. And my son, this is the greatest thing ever. I love this. He's filming it. This is hilarious. I can't believe you did this. I know what it's like to interrupt people's lives, right? Well, I'm not saying I'm God, but you know, there's something about what, what God does, right? God interrupts our lives, and the Christmas story is reminding that what? We're not in control. We're not in control. Control. And Herod receives this news from these magi from the east who have seen this star. And they have discerned through general revelation that this is a star of a king, but they don't know where to go next. They come to Jerusalem to inquire of the king. And of the, of the folks, they're like, we have seen the star. God has, there's something heavenly, something divine going on. But they don't have the full and all the pieces of the puzzle together. And they come and they, and so they, of course, they, they go to Herod and they say, hey, Herod, there's a king of the Jews. And you know what? Throughout the scripture, Herod is the only one where we don't have fear not in the Christmas story. Because he's controlled by fear. His whole life is interrupted. His whole reign is interrupted. That he receives news. The news for us, Christmas, is the best news. Because what? We don't have to be the king anymore. We don't have to save our lives. Why? Because God's come to rescue us. But for Herod, Jesus was a threat. There's someone else who has come to take over your reign. He's a child, and he's more powerful than you. I love what Barbara Brown Taylor says. She says, we don't lose control of our lives. But we do lose is the illusion that we were in, in control in the first place. That we actually believe that we are in control. And Herod is confronted with this. Because he's controlled by the spirit 
of fear. And what's interesting about Herod is he's the one who is most secure. He has all the power. He has all the prestige. He has everyone at his disposal. He has all the riches. And he's the most insecure. And when he, Matthew tells us, learns of the birth of a king, he doesn't rejoice, he doesn't celebrate, he doesn't say, where can I bring my riches? Oh, thanks be to God, there's a new king. What? He becomes angry. He becomes fearful. He becomes out of control, and all of Jerusalem then becomes in fear. It's wrapped in his spirit of fear. And what we have is this, is this contrast between the, the way of Herod and the way of Jesus. Of what Pastor Rich says. He says that the way of Jesus is, is, is marked, right? It's marked by this life of nothing to protect, nothing to possess, and nothing to prove. Herod, in his way, he had everything to protect. He had to prove that he was still king. But the way of Jesus is nothing to protect, nothing to possess, nothing to prove. We see this when, when Paul is writing to the church in Philippi and he inserts this beautiful hymn about Jesus. And he's saying to the church in Philippi, I want you to have the same life, the same attitude of Christ. And rather than tell them even more, he inserts this beautiful hymn about Christ. He says this, he says, Christ Jesus, who though, right, was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to grasp. That, that Jesus it's God's very own son that Jesus, we see this in the gospel of John all the way through the scriptures, that Jesus is God's very own son, but he didn't grasp this divinity. He didn't hold on to it. He didn't possess it. What did he do? He emptied himself. He took the form of a servant. What a king. The king, what Jesus could have said, like, no, I am not going to embrace the call on my life because, because I, I'm going to hold on to this divinity. I'm going to hold on to being the, God's very son. I'm going to hold on to, to, this, to this rightful position that I have. That this, is, this is the Herodian way, right? Protecting ourselves, protecting what we have, staying in control, even though really we're not in control. The way of Jesus, he did not consider the quality of God something to grasp. But he emptied himself. He took the form of a servant. I love what, what Bruce Ware says. He says, Christ being fully God, possessing the very nature of God, and being fully equal to God in every respect, did not thereby insist on holding onto all the privileges and the benefits 
of his position. So different than Herod. And thereby refused to accept his coming as a man. No, rather, what Jesus did was he, he did not grasp or clutch onto the privileged position and the rights and the prerogatives that, 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 that was at his full disposal and full equality with God. But in order to fulfill his calling, to become fully a man, he became servant of all. See, Herod played a zero-sum game. And what zero-sum game is like this. There can only be one king, and that's going to be me. And so everyone else around me is a threat. I have to get rid of every person because they are a threat to my, my role, my position, my power as king. What Herod could not see because of, of the way he, he saw the world, was that he could still be king. He, he still could have had his, 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 his title. He could still have, have his reign and his rule. He just had to serve another king. Jesus. But instead, what, what Herod did He grasps onto the, the spirit of fear and control. And I believe there, there's something about Herod that lives in, in all of us. That, that, that there's, this, there's this stream, there's this, this little part of, of Herod where, where we're, we want to possess. I, I want some of that. I, I want some of that privilege. I, I want to be known. I, I want to be in control. And the one thing about these last several years teach us we're not in control. But there one is. And when we sort of play this, this comparison game, right? And I love what C.S. Lewis says. C.S. Lewis says that the comparison is the thief of joy. And, and, and the gift of Christmas is all of joy. But some of our joy is being stripped away because we're trying to compare it to so many other people. I love what, what Jerry Bridges says. He says this. He said, he said, someone else's... Oh, that's Gary Newhall. Sorry, here we go. There it is. Jealousy is the intolerance of rivalry. And we quickly become envious and jealous of someone else because of what they have. And so when we see someone else succeed and, and someone else sort of uh, um, having what um, we want, what do we do? We quickly bring them down. Oh, they had to cheat there had to be another way in which they could do that. Or, you know, if, they had, if I had all the resources they had, um, then, then I, would, I would have that privilege. And we're so focused upon looking at others and, and comparing ourselves to others because what? Comparison is the thief of joy. And Harry could have said, thanks be to God there's a king. I'm tired of ruling. But he does. He doubles down. And so what happens when Herod begins to, to get into our spirit? I think we are to celebrate and not criticize. 
for pastors, that is the hardest thing to do. We had so many people in our Christmas Eve service. Yeah, we have so many people who are so many views that um, we have. Okay, that's great. It's difficult. Well, you know, I'm, you, know, you go to those websites where you should be financially at so-and-so age, or you take these little quizzes and all these things, and we begin to compare ourselves. I believe, rather than just allowing for that, just to rip the joy out of our life, is that we are to create the habit of celebrating. Of celebrating someone else's success. Good job. Way to go. Because Karen Newhoff says someone else's success should never lead us or make me feel like we're a failure. That's the work of the enemy. And so, one of the ways that, that we can combat that is, is as we end this year and as before we go into New Year, is begin to make a list of all the blessings God's given you. Of all the things that, that God has provided for you, to begin to see all the gifts that God has given you. And I believe, rather than Herod, is to surrender to God's interruptions. It's to trust that God has a plan. And that God knows what he's doing. And that God is good. Today we're going to celebrate in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And today we get to reflect upon all the gifts that God has given to us. The scripture tells us on the night our Lord was betrayed, he took bread. After giving thanks, he broke it. And gave it to the disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, the Lord took the cup. Saying, this cup is a new covenant sealed by the shedding of my blood. As often as you drink from this, do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread, and drink from this cup, we proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord until he comes. Here at Grace, we, if you're with us in person, we will administer the sacrament of the Lord's Supper through a form of intinction. There's a table in front of each section. We invite you to come forward to the sections. There'll be an elder present there. Each, each table has a gluten-free option as well. Just make sure you make that known to the elders. You'll receive a, a, a plastic cup with, with bread and a juice cup. We encourage you to go back to your seat and to take that together as the body and blood of Christ. And use this time to, to really reflect upon all of the gifts that God has given to you. All the blessings that he's poured out to you. And if the spirit of Herod that creeps in, then ask the Lord to deal with that. To restore joy because our king has come he knows what he's doing and he's good he's glorious 
If you're with us online right now, I encourage you to, to take your, your bread and your juice. We ask you the power of the Holy Spirit to allow for these common elements to be used for his glory and his honor. My friends, these are the gifts of God for us, the people of God. Will our servers please come forward?